The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. The word of the Lord says this, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And this is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Well, today I want to speak on what could arguably be considered the hardest Christian discipline. Like there are many things that are difficult to walk in, to live out in the Christian life, that this may be at the very top. There's nothing I can think of that runs more contrary to the desires of our flesh than what is penned in these verses. This discipline, it takes humility, it takes courage, and it takes an immense trust and faith in God's sovereign plan. I'm referring to the Christian discipline of submission. Not a popular word, is it, today? We're in this verse-by-verse study through the book of First Peter. And the apostle is writing to first-century non-Jewish Christians who are living in very pagan communities. And how many know when you live in a secular community, it can be challenging to live your life for the Lord. It can be frustrating, and these believers are feeling the tension of what it means to be in the world but not of the world. And so in this letter, we find all of these lessons for how to live as what we're calling as misfits in this world. How many know that we ought to feel like misfits as Christians in this world? Like if you never feel like a misfit in this culture, you might want to check your walk with Jesus. So this is so relevant for us today. And by the way, one of the reasons I love preaching verse by verse through the books of the Bible is because this you, you never get to skip the hard passages, the difficult passages. And this is never a message that I would just pull out, a text that I would pull out and go, wow, like I want to preach this this Sunday. The church, they're going to be amening when I start talking about submitting to one another, submitting to governmental leadership. No, it's not that kind of message, but it's we're called to preach the whole counsel of God, the Bible says. And so this is a vital message for us today. And, and this is really important because this message of submission is incredibly countercultural, isn't it? This is not the world that we live in. We live in a Western individualistic society where we are told not to submit to anyone. Don't let the man hold you down, right? We're, we're, we're told to, to have uh, that others are here to serve us, 
Matter of fact, there's a popular saying that says anybody or anything that does not serve you, just cut them out. But friends, that's not a biblical message. This call to submission is the antithesis of the secular message of our day. And I'll tell you, even for the most mature of Christians, it is not natural. It's not easy. You're you're looking at a preacher who struggles with this because it's not easy. As as a matter of fact, because of our fallen nature, this uh, our, our nature fights against submission with everything that's within us. Like it is a battle. Matter of fact, if you look back to the Garden of Eden, isn't that uh, the, 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 really what the first sin boils down to? God puts Adam and Eve in what is essentially paradise and Eden and this garden, and they had everything they could possibly want. But they did have boundaries. They could not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet, they wanted to be their own boss, right? They didn't want to submit even to the authority of God. And that is so our human nature. This call for submission is something that is a battle for every one of us. So today, uh, if you have your bulletin on the back side, there's a place to take notes. And we're going to look at three parts of this text. Number one, the command for submission. Number two, the reason for submission. And number three, the breadth of submission. So number one, the command Be subject for the Lord's sake, verse 13, to every human institution, whether it be to emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Now, we will see in later verses in this chapter that Peter is talking about many scenarios for submission But he begins by addressing civil submission or submission to governmental leadership. For us, hear me, let's get real practical today. This means for us, submission to our president, to all of federal government. It would be submission to our governor, to our state government, and submission to our city and our city government, including our police officers. Now, we Christians are are citizens of heaven That's a wonderful truth. And ultimately, how many know we are under the rule and authority of God Almighty? However, that does not negate our requirement to be under legitimate human authority on this earth. Freedom in Christ does not mean that we get to live outside of the boundaries of federal, state, or local laws. Like the the speed limit still applies to you. I was riding with a pastor one time in his vehicle. He was driving, and he says, he looks over at me. He was going like 20 over, and he's like, hey, I'm not real convicted about the speed limit. Are you? And I'm just praying, Holy Ghost, please convict him, because I feel like I'm about to die right now. There is an exception to our submission to human authority, and it is only this. When we are specifically asked by our governmental leaders to do something that the Bible forbids us to do, then you can buck that authority. But otherwise, even with the worst of leaders, all right, our job is to submit. We see an example of this kind of authority being bucked in in Acts chapter 4 for a good reason. 
Peter and John are brought before the council. They're threatened not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And here's what they answer. Peter and John were not about a political revolution. They were not about overthrowing Rome. Jesus was not about that. Peter and John were not about that. But, but they were commanded, don't you preach or teach in the name of Jesus. I think that poses a problem for an apostle who's commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because you have no gospel if you have no Christ. So verse 19, here's their answer. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right for you in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. You see the message Peter and John are sending. Hey, you can tell us not to speak or teach in his name, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Like, we're not trying to overthrow Rome, but listen, this is what we are called to do. So if we are personally asked to do something that is in clear violation of Scripture, then we can disobey human authority. Outside of that, we submit. Now, the phrase, be subject in the Greek, is the word hupotasso in, in Greek. And it's a military phrase that means to arrange in formation under a commander. The idea that is conveyed here is about staying in our proper position. And you think of a military force, think of the army, and they have these ranks for, for a reason, right? You can imagine a private first class waking up one morning and go, you know what, I know I'm private first class, but I just kind of feel like being a sergeant today. You know, I just think I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm not going to submit. How would that go for them, military people? Come on, somebody. No, those ranks are there for a reason. Now, I want you to hear me. Every single governmental human institution is placed there by God. Every leader, legitimate leader. I don't know what that does to your theology, Every single leader, according to his sovereign and his ultimate plan. It doesn't mean that every leader is godly, but it's part of his ultimate plan. This is very clear. Romans 13, chapter 1, the apostle Paul writing, he says this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Every world leader, every national leader, every state leader, every city official, they have been put there by God. And you may say, think of somebody and you go, why in the world would God put this person there? But can I just submit to you that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts? Could it be that God knows something we don't? You know, I often wonder, you know, some leaders... I just think we get what we've asked for. And, 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 and I think that sometimes it's for our good. Sometimes it's to move us back to repentance. But whatever it is, here's what I know. God's, uh, you know, God's authority is, is not thwarted. His plan is not, is not um, thwarted. He, he is on the throne. He knows. Listen, no leader that's in a position right now has taken God by surprise. He is sovereign. And he has a plan. That's why I'm saying this takes trust. When you look at a leader and you go, you just kind of scratch your head, you have to go, oh, this is so cool because God knows something I don't, which I'm thankful for that because if he's limited to my knowledge, folks, we are in trouble. Now, I hear the argument. 
when we're asked to submit to these leaders, well, pastor, our government is so corrupt. You mean God wants me to submit to them? And I would say a hearty amen. Yes, he wants you to submit to your leaders. You think you have it bad now? Let me just take you back to the first century for a moment. These Christians who are hearing this out of Peter's mouth for the first time, they're reading this letter. I want you to think about their political situation. They are in these Roman pagan communities. And you know who their ultimate leader is? A guy by the name of Nero. Have you heard of him? Now these Christians are already experiencing some level of persecution, but let me tell you what is about to happen to them. History tells us that in 64 AD, there was a fire started in the city of Rome. It burned, get this, for six days and, uh, and, and, and nights, it, it burned throughout Rome. I think it was six days and seven nights. And the city was almost brought to complete destruction. Now, here's the deal. Nero, who was in charge, he decides he's going to take full advantage of this situation. He says, hey, you know what? This is a great time to build me a new and more beautiful, glorious palace. He doesn't seem too upset about what's going on. So here's what the people begin to think. Nero, this doesn't look good on you. Did you start this fire? Are you just trying to get a new palace? So you know what he does? He needs a scapegoat. Guess who he chooses? Christians. He doesn't like them anyways. So he blames them. They become hated even more. They are now killed for sport. And can you imagine they are, the, the history tells us that, that, that they are let loose, arms and uh, feet tied, but, but they're set out for live animals to devour them. Some sources say that they were used as human torches, human torches to light Nero's walkway. I mean, this is insane. You think you have it bad because of some quote-unquote right that's been taken away? Just count your blessings, friends. And Peter is asking these Christians to submit to somebody so despicable. Wow. As Christians, we are to pray for, we are to honor, and we're to submit to those in government whom we might not even agree with. Not just the ones you like, not just your party, not just your people. Your man, your woman, no. We are to submit. We're to submit to all of our leaders. Now, this begs the question, probably all asking, why? Why, Lord, would you have us submit to all governmental leaders? So let's, number two, look at the reason for submission. And I'll draw your attention to verse 13 again. Be subject for the Lord's sake. To every human institution. So number one, the first reason that we submit to governmental leadership is for the Lord's sake. God commands us to submit, so here's what happens. If we do not submit, you know what we're doing? We're going against God in that moment. 
Let me give you just a main thought here. Our submission to other people reveals our submission to God. You say you want to submit to God, submit to those whom He has put in authority. It's very telling of where we stand with Christ. Here's the thing, friends. We don't have to understand God's reasoning for wanting us to submit to each leader or why He put them in that position. But again, we've just, we're asked to trust Him. Could it be that God knows something that we don't? We trust His sovereign plan. So we, we submit for the sake of the Lord, but number two, we submit for the sake of the gospel. You could say it like this, for the sake of the lost. We submit for the sake of the lost. Our lives are, we're still here, our lives are to be focused on winning people to Christ. Our lives are to be about proclaiming the gospel, reaching people far from God. But so often because of our political views and our strong stances, you know what we do? We push lost people away. So we're to submit and we're to honor those in authority, not for our sake, but for the sake of the Lord and the sake of the gospel. Look at verse 15. This is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. All right now, I want to admit something to you today. I've got a problem. I love how everybody looks up. You want to hear my dirt, don't you? You're like yawning, and then I hear you hear I have a problem, and you're like... <laughs> Sinners. I've just <laughs> I have a problem. Here it is. I can't help my, I know this isn't polite, but I tend to stare at people, especially in Walmart, all right? I'm just saying. Some people, it's like they just want to be watched, right? How many people watchers do we have in here? Come on, be honest. Your preacher's one of them. Like, I, watch, I walk by somebody, and I'll tell my kids, do not stare, but then I'm like, Right? Can I just tell you something? People are watching you, man and woman of God. People are watching you. Young people, when you're at school and you say, oh, I'm a Christian and I'm part of these Christian groups, FCA and First Priority and all this, they're watching you. Some of them are watching you because they're interested in Christianity. And you are putting on display for them what Christianity really is. As a matter of fact, one of the main reasons to statistically that people don't, lost people, don't want to come to church, don't want anything to do with our faith, is because they are watching us. And we're no different than them. And they call us hypocrites. So you're no different than me. Why would I want to take up a Sunday? Or why, why would I want to serve your God? There's no change in you. Some people are gen, genuinely interested in Christianity, and they are watching you. And Peter is pleading with us. God is pleading with us, saying, hey, you're representing God Almighty. We need to be careful with how we behave. We, we need to watch our attitudes, the kind of employees we are. It all matters because people are watching. Other people are militant against Christianity. They don't like you because you're a Christian, and they're watching you. You know why they're watching you? They're just waiting for you to mess up. So they can say, see, see, all of you, you're just hypocrites. You're just that, 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 that. And you know what Peter's saying here? He's saying, Rome is watching you. They're waiting for you to mess up. 
Don't give them anything to talk about. They're going to make stuff up probably, but don't give them any substance to their concerns. Just love them. And as a matter of fact, there's a a great verse in, in verse 12. If we go back just one verse prior to our text that precedes our text today, it's verse 12. It says this, keep your conduct Conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that, watch this, here's the goal. When they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Those people who are militant against you, can I tell you the attitude you're supposed to have for them, towards them? It's supposed to be one of love and going, hey, this person is lost. I don't want my worst enemy to go to hell. I don't want my worst enemy to be separated from God, so I'm going to love them radically. I'm going to bless those who curse me. I'm going to pray for those who spitefully harm me, as Jesus told me to do. And the hope is, is that even though they're talking about me and even though they're, they're, they're putting me down and even though I might not get a promotion or whatever because of my faith and they're, they're, they're wanting to kind of stick it to me, whatever, it doesn't matter. My hope is that they'll see my response, they'll see my attitude, they'll see my humility, and they will look up to God and say, oh, you must be real. Jesus said in the great Sermon on the Mount, oh, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify their God who is in heaven. That's the goal. Verse 16, he says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Our freedom in Christ, friends, does not mean that we use that freedom to go against the law. Say, well, this just doesn't apply to me because I'm free in Christ. No, you are now a slave to righteousness. You're not, you're, you're not bound by sin anymore, but you are a slave to righteousness. You know, it's interesting that I hear this all the time, even throughout the church. Everybody is worried about their rights. It's just about my rights as, a, as an individual, as a people, as a nation. It's all about rights, rights, rights. Can I just tell you something as a Christian? I hate to break this to you, but if you are in Christ, friend, you have no rights. Your life is crucified with Christ. It's not you who live, but Christ in you. Your life, here, here's your right. It is to preach the gospel to every living, living creature. So if you're like Paul and you get in, imprisoned for something that you're not guilty of, if, you, if you're preaching the gospel loving people and, and you're convicted of a hate crime for it and you get thrown in jail, you do what Paul did and just say, hey, I, it's not about my rights. I'll just preach in prison. As long as I have breath. That's what he, he writes to the Philippians. and In the book of Philippians, we have this letter, and he's imprisoned. He's under house arrest, and he's just saying, hey, don't worry about me. The, the gospel might actually make it to Caesar because God has ordained this. God is in control. That's the message. So can I just tell you, I, and I'm not asking you just to completely let people walk all over you. I think we should care about social justice, all of these things. I'm, I'm not saying we don't. I'm just saying as Christians, it's not about our rights. It's about Christ. That's what life is about. Now, finally, let's talk about the breadth of submission because submission doesn't just stop with governmental leadership. 
wants to consider the, the breadth of submission. Look at verse 17. Honor who? Everyone. Everyone. Look at the person on your left and on your right. You're to honor that person. In front of you, behind you, you're to honor that person. Peter summarizes his call for submission, and he, he splits this kind of authority up into four practical dimensions of life. Number one, he says we're to honor all people. It means that every single man and woman is to be honored, not just those in authority. Here's why. Every man, woman, boy and girl is created in the image of God. Now, they may not act like it. And if you're honest, you don't act like it all the time either. Come on, somebody. But every one of us have value. We have value. We're to honor every single individual. In Roman society, when this is being written, slavery was an epidemic. And it didn't look like slavery did in, 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 in North America, but in Roman society, some slaves were, were absolutely treated as property rather than people. And Peter's saying here, that's never the case in the church. Everybody has value, no matter your social status. Everybody has value. Everybody is deserving of respect. doesn't matter, male, female, black, white, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. Every one of us are deserving of respect. Oh, if we just left with that today, how much better would our world be? Number two... We're to love the brotherhood. That is uh, other Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, this, is, this message is wrought throughout the New Testament. Jesus says, this is how they'll know you're my disciples. It's not if you speak in tongues. It's not if you can preach. It's not if you, how much many memory verses you quote. He says, oh, you're love one for another. That's the telling key. You can act spiritual in the other areas, but I don't think you can fake this kind of love for one another. Can I just ask you this? If you can't love the person sitting next to you or anybody else in this building today, how in the world are you going to love your enemies as you're called to do? It has to start right here. There has to be forgiveness and patience and humility and preferring one another, as it says in the Scripture, above ourselves. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. That is a testimony to a lost world. You know, it's so interesting. I did in, When I was in Greeley, Colorado, I did a, believe it or not, gang ministry. Now you imagine this, this preppy white boy walking into a, to a gang, and they just look at me like, son, what are you doing here? Here's what I did. I was sneaky, all right? They, they, weren't, they didn't want to listen to me until I did a magic trick. I, I, yeah, I did a little sleight of hand routine kind of thing, and then they're like, this guy's magic. We better listen to him. So I told him I wasn't magic, all right? Uh, don't, don't freak out. But, but no, I, so I did gang ministry. And you know, I, I got this was to students who were brought into these gangs and, and um, a lot of them immigrants. And, 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 and they felt like they, I, I talked to them like, why do you want to live this violent way? Like, what is in this for you? And several of them saved. And, and, but you know what they told me? We want to belong. He said, yes, I'm asked to, to do some horrendous things for this brotherhood, but they said, you know what? These people have my back. And I think that is something that's deep within every one of us. Deep within every one of us. This desire to belong. 
And you know what? I think that's a God-given desire, except I don't think the Lord wants us to live that out in gangs. All right, Just a thought. That's what the church is supposed to be. You are supposed to feel, so, so you can say you're part of the church gang now. Tell all your friends you're part of a gang, right? Uh, now, listen, we're supposed to be that brotherhood and sisterhood. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family. And that means that you know that, listen, even when I mess up, my brothers and sisters have my back. It's a glorious thought. So, R.D., you can resign your gang and uh, join our church, all right? <laughs> Good you're here today. Number three, I'm, I'm just serious, by the way. Uh, number three, fear, fear God. All of this submission stems from a holy reverence for God. So, in other words, hey, don't forget God in this equation. All of this, all of this submitting is because we have a holy fear and reverence for our God and trust for Him. Submission to authority on earth is not a replacement for submitting to God, but a means of it. Number four, honor the emperor. Listen, our goal is not to overthrow government. It's not to bring about political change. It's, our ultimate goal is not to bring uh, forth an impeachment or, or whatever it might be. Though, again, we should care about social justice because that's near and dear to God's heart. Our goal, friends, ultimate goal is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means no matter who is president of this country, the goal is not to overthrow. It's, it's not to badmouth. It's to pray. It's to honor. That means when your person is in office and your person is not in office. Wow, it's quiet. We are to honor those in authority because that's how we honor God. Butch, if you would come, sir. In closing, I'll just again say that this is one of the most difficult disciplines of the Christian life. Submission is not easy. But friends, can I tell you it's not optional? The cultural message today is that you are your own boss. Life is about you. It's about your rights, your people, your happiness. And with a heavy heart, I say that this teaching has even crept into the, into the church today. One of the most popular personal growth books for women right now is titled Girl, Wash Your Face. It's been on the New York Times bestseller list, and I know this because it was on my wife's nightstand. She started reading it. I, yeah, I didn't. It, okay, it wasn't for me. Just it was on my, the wife's side of the bed, all right? Uh, just clarifying. I've lost my man card enough from this pulpit, so I don't, I don't need it gone again. Rachel Hollis, the author, claims to be a, a Christian. But Nikki, when she was reading this, some things didn't sit well with her. I did a little bit of research on the book. And let me just give you a couple quotes from, from chapter 1. Here's one. She says this, You are meant to be the hero of your own story. If that's the case, friend, your story is in trouble. Christ came to be the hero of your story. Secondly, Rachel compels women to chase their dreams. Not Christ. Chase your dreams. And that's the message we're hearing from pulpits all across America today. It's about your dreams. Don't chase Christ. Chase your dreams. Or try somehow to reconcile the two. And here's her dream, by the way. 
She writes, I'm a big fan of displaying visuals inside my closet door to remind me every single day of what my aim is. Currently taped to my door, she writes, the cover, uh, cover of Forbes magazine featuring self-made female CEOs, a vacation house in Hawaii, and a picture of Beyonce, obviously. That's what's in my closet. That's a joke. To clarify, some of you are looking like this. It's about your dreams, right? That's what the world's telling us. That's what the church is telling us. I promise you can, you can find that same sermon on TBN today, somewhere. Friends, that's not Bible. Jesus said, lose your life for my sake and you'll find it. Or if you love your life in this world, you'll lose it in the end. You can't have both. You live it for Christ, your life. You lay it down. You're crucified with Christ. Or you live it for yourself, but you don't get Christ. You can't have it both ways. You want to hang something in your, your closet? How about the verse that says, Oh, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. How about you put a picture of you carrying a cross to remind yourself every day that this life is not about you, that you have a cross to bear daily. How about you put a picture of the entire world with the words above it until the whole world hears because that's what we're called to do. That's the aim. Or most of all, how about this? How about you paste the words on your wall there? Well done, good and faithful servant. That ought to be the goal. To not hear one day, oh, turn from me, you doer of iniquity. I never knew you. And you're cast out to eternal damnation. That's not what you want to hear. You want to hear from, oh, our heavenly Father, from, and from Jesus Christ himself. Oh, welcome home, good and faithful servant. That's what you want to hear. That's your goal. One more quote from Rachel. I'm not here to pick on her. But she just writes, you should be the first of your priorities. Boy, that's biblical. Do you see this? This is a Christian. And, and the church, it, matter of fact, she was number one on the Christian some Christian book bestseller list. Because, listen, here's what American Christianity wants. We want to find a way to where we can live it up in this life, have all that we want, and still get heaven. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. Is there anything wrong with succeeding in business? No, but that's not your ultimate aim. Is there anything wrong with, with uh, going to Hawaii and visiting or whatever? No, take me with you. All right? Is there anything wrong with, uh, with, with a picture of Beyonce having that in your closet? Well, it depends which picture that is. All right? Listen, I'm not saying that, that you have to live poor but, and, and, and just kind of destitute all the time and be despondent. No, listen, this life, here's the point. This life is about Jesus, and it's about the gospel. So here's what happens. When we 
go against human authority and we go on Facebook and we slam our president, whether it's this president or, or whether it was Obama, or if Hillary would have gotten in, it would be the same message this morning. I'm not saying you have to like every decision those people make. But when you slam them, when you slander them, you are slandering God. Understand that. You don't have to like them. You don't have to agree. But you've got to trust God's sovereignty and, and realize, listen, this is not about me just getting my voice out. This is about me and an opportunity to show people who disagree with me how important Jesus is in my life and how much I trust him. The world gets bent out of shape when their person doesn't get in office because that's their hope. It's in, a, it's in a presidential figure. My hope is not in Donald Trump. My hope is in Jesus Christ. My hope would not have been in Hillary Clinton. My, my, my hope is in Jesus Christ. And I just think God's a little bit bigger than any human authority. And I just tend to trust him. King of kings, Lord of lords, I trust him. So may the Lord move us to repentance today if we have slandered our leaders. That includes, by the way, our governor. You try to make those decisions that he's made. I'm not telling you I agree or disagree with all his decisions. I'm just telling you it's not your job to slander him. It's not about your rights. It's about Christ. And all we do when we get involved in these political debates, you know what we do? We're just pushing people away from Christ. There are better ways for, for issues of social justice. There are better ways than just running our mouths to help people who are impoverished, who are overlooked, who are experiencing social injustice. There are better ways, and we as a church, that's one of our priorities. We want to we grow in this. But the way to do it is not to slander those who are in office. It's just not. So may we as a church commit today to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify their God who is in heaven. Are you with me? What would our church look like if we all just this morning took this as our aim? Be careful this week what you say, even in the privacy of your home. It's not okay. I won't put anything on Facebook, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to badmouth our leaders too. No. There's no good that comes from this. Do all things, Scripture says, without complaining and grumbling. Let our light so shine before men that he may see, they may see our good works and glorify their God who's in heaven. And just maybe lost people will see how great Jesus is. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you and grateful for your authority, your ultimate power, that even when we have a leader who we may or may not disagree, may or may not agree with, Lord, I'm thankful today that we can trust you, we can trust your power, we can trust your authority, and believe that as the people of God, you are working all things together for our good and for your glory. So we lift up our federal leaders, our president, vice president, so on and so every person in our federal government, we lift up our state leaders, our governor, and everyone who's part of his cabinet. We pray, Lord, for Brother Blythe, our new mayor. Father, we pray over this city. We know there's a dark cloud over our city. We pray that Brother Blythe, who is a, a pastor as well, God, would be bold to stand up for truth in the council. God, may you strengthen him. We pray for our police officers. We pray for everyone in authority. 
And help us, God, even when we are slighted, even when we are mistreated, to submit because that's what we're called to do. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' good name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.